Welcome to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. A southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. We're past the 100 mark. Uh, embarking upon the next 100 with me always uh, embarking on the journeys Jason uh, how what's up what's going on uh I am here Brian I am here finding through technical difficulties as you know as our guest knows but I am here I'm a gamer yeah how are you doing right good good uh I am good and uh also you know we have just recently uh reached another if you want to call it a pinnacle but uh, we it's so far with all the episodes of the podcast, we are at ten thousand downloads. That is pretty good, man. Some pretty good milestones. A hundred episodes and ten thousand mm-hmm. downloads. So, wow. if we have a hundred episodes and we have ten thousand downloads, what's the math average per download? Uh, is would that be a hundred? No, or thousand? No, I don't know. A thousand. See, a thousand per wait a minute. No, What's it wouldn't be a thousand. Yeah, a hundred, right? Yeah, a hundred. Yep. There we go. A <laughs> hundred listeners per episode. Hey, that's good though. Yeah, but we've had some downloads in thousands or before, you know, over a oh, thousand. Yeah. yeah. I think we're 90,000 behind the state of America, guys. <laughs> 90,000 downloads. Do, 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 don't they like I have a hundred thousand? I have no idea what they have. Oh, zero. Maybe I could be wrong. I can ask him. Maybe I'm overestimating. <laughs> he, he's going to ask him right now on the spot. Hey, hey, what David and Ian what? from the state <laughs> of America. Yep. How many downloads do you guys have? They might answer. What's new, what's new with you, man? Um. Um. Well, besides that, ten thousand downloads. Um. Just, I don't know, it's probably repetitive. I think I've talked about everything that's going on here. It's going to be going on at the Fargo Brewing Company with Blackberry Smoke, Dirty Honey, Blackstone Cherry, and just uh, Tesla's coming up here in under two weeks around there. Looking Very forward good. to that. Looking forward to that. Um, but are we going to, should we talk about the stadium tour? Have we talked about the stadium tour? And like I was surprised let's, that Vin, Vince, Vince Neal does not sound terrible. He, he does not sound terrible, but I think everybody had extremely low expectations as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be true. That'd be true. So, and like, I, that's BS, man. The whole thing about like, yeah, Vince freaking jumped over the drums and tackled Tommy. That's why he broke his ribs. It's like Tommy Lee's wife is saying like they were like carrying something out of the house or whatever. And he like up. tripped on a step or something. But that's good. Motley, that's good motley humor, though. It is good Motley humor, but I don't see Vince jumping over many things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, funny though. And hey, you know, it's, I, apparently this guy is pretty painful when he's playing drums with broken ribs and he hangs through the first part of the set. I couldn't even imagine, Brian. I mean, it hurts just to breathe if you got rib issues. I can't imagine hitting the drums like Tommy Lee does. So, you know, good on good on for trying. I don't know how long it's going to take a sixty-something-year-old dude to heal his ribs. Though. Yeah, Mick Mars, man. Let me tell you. He, uh, I'm probably more impressed with him. You know, the fact he's still with us, and the fact that he's still with us with his 
con chronic condition and he still sounds really good playing guitar man he's an underrated guitarist in my opinion i think oh, he's sure. done a lot of memorable riffs cool riffs for um, sure blues influence sky for sure yeah. and he just yeah. doesn't get the credit I, mean, I was reading like in the dirt or whatever he talked about like really liking mike bloomfield mm -hmm. blues guitar player well um let's go right into our guest today since i'm having technical difficulties what sure. do you say yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we've had our guest on before in a previous band called Whiskey Foxtrot, and he uh, was in that band with another uh, fine individual that's also broken out solo on his own, and they've both done so for good reasons and still friendly, and they're so good, they got to have two different bands instead of just one. Yep, and you know what? I, I'm really digging Sam Foster and his album Heat Wave that came out during a heat wave. And it has those elements of, I think you, you get into it in the interview, but Wilco, uh, early on, Ryan Adams, that just that singer-songwriter Americana rock country uh, mix that just, it is a really, really mm -hmm. good album. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I really liked it. I didn't know what to expect. I listened to it a couple of times a day. I really liked it. So I'm very impressed by what Sam's been able to do with this first solo record. Yeah. And I think I hear some Steve Earle influence in there and even some Tom Petty influence, uh, sure. you know, talented dude, uh, just talented guy, great guy. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've heard, you know, a fair amount of him playing acoustic stuff, but, you know, he's, uh, he's uh, sounds pretty good on the electric as well. As you hear in the interview, uh, he even is doing some solos. So he is getting a little bit more confident with his skills. And I am interested to see where that'll take him. And we're going to stay ahead of the tech demons and just cut right to the chase. And you guys kick back, relax, enjoy our conversation with Mr. Sam Foster. We are at the guest segment of the podcast. You guys know Jason's going to tell you all who's with us today. And I'm going to tell him in my super sexy, deep illness voice, Brian. So welcoming back on the show, but in a different version that we have on with us, it's Sam Foster. How are you doing, Sam? Good. How are you guys doing? Good, doing good. Fine. Hey, last time we had you on, you were a part of Whiskey Foxtrot, and now you guys are out doing your solo thing, and you've got a solo album that's just come out, and you're going you're gonna to tell us a little bit about today. Yep, yep, that's it. Got a brand new record, <clears throat> excuse me, Heat Waves. It came out uh, just a little over a week ago. So perfect time as we were talking back before the, the, the you know before we started recording as the country is in a heat wave. So are you are you mocking us? What are you doing? <laughs> it was a it was an aptly planned PR stunt. It's perfect. You know what? Yeah. Perfect. You should have got some of those cooling bandanas, some koozies for the release for everybody. That would have been good. That would have been good. Yeah, we knew like planning it a year in advance. It was definitely going to be hot as hell in June. So how did this all come about to being you, know, you guys, you and Seth, or, uh, Seth Williams, you guys are in Whiskey Foxtrot. You now you guys are both doing your own thing, you know, so good that, you know, you guys got to have two bands. How does, what's the generation, you know, of evolution of that? It, uh, 
it really started back because the last time I talked to you guys, we were in the middle of making a whiskey box chart record, which was to be our second one. And uh, just things changed. I mean, Seth and I are both two, uh, you know, two different styles of writers, two different styles of creators. And we have our own different ideas. And we just got to a place where we're like, well, maybe we should just go separate ways. And like you said, start two separate bands uh, pretty much. Um, because we neither one of us would want to do anything to hold the other back creatively. Mm-hmm. There's ideas I have that mm-hmm. you know he might not be on board with, and vice versa. And so we just found a good place, uh, a split in the road, and we decided when we were going to separate that we would each take you know our halves of the record that we were working on and just put our songs towards whatever we decided to do going forward. Right on. That's that's so very cool that you know like the, the, there was this, that was like a really organic, cool, friendly supportive split and you know you guys have just such, such strong ideas and songwriting that that you know you can go off and do your things but still be totally supportive and friendly towards each other man that's that's really awesome because sometimes when bands you know dissolve or split up sometimes there's like you know bad issues behind the scene but yeah. um it's cool to see you guys uh both doing your own thing so like uh so when you when you guys you know go the separate way thing doing your own things like those some of those songs were like already developing like what what hadn't been written yet how did that all come about uh pretty i mean since we had a whole record written and at the time when the band split up we had the record done and we were ready to start mixing so um i pretty i pretty much because i got like had a huge burst of creative output like from the start of the pandemic up through the last year just wrote a ton so i had you know, we had half the record done. Heat waves, um, the songs on the songs on the Heat Waves album. Heat waves, get it tonight. Memorial Day, Seven Alarm, and the one or two more at least. They were they were already loud and clear. Were already done and recorded. So I had knew I wanted to do at least ten songs for the record. Um, so I had this backlog of material I just kind of pulled from to round it out, and then recorded it through the rest of 2021. How did you get to decide which of the songs you know you guys had already recorded that you get to keep for your album? Well, uh, pretty much the ones that were already done, I didn't want to have to go back and redo anything, and I was I was really content with how they were too. Plus the the subject matter, like the lyrical content of those songs that were already done, um, was I personally felt like it was some of the best stuff I had written to that point. So that was that was all your your tunes, not Seth's. Correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Seth wrote some of the best stuff, but like the stuff I kept from my record anyway is what I can speak for. Got it. Got it. So you yeah. guys did fight over the songs. You guys were good about sharing them. Respect. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And wait, I mean, in Whiskey Fox Shop, we always wanted to split it half and half anyway because Seth's a brilliant writer too. Yeah. Um, so it, it'd be a shame for either one of us to get have been left in the dark, you know, when we were making a record. So the guys you got playing on this record, um, how did how did you get them? You talk about all your bands that people have played on the record and playing out live with you. Yeah, um, well, uh, obviously Jacob Kuhn had joined us on drums and Whiskey Foxtrot, so he played on a good chunk of that. And Brad Cardill, I like the joke that Seth and I share custody. <laughs> um, he he played bass with us and Whiskey Foxtrot and then after we split up he was like well of course I'm going to work with both of you mm-hmm. uh, so he played that Nicky Forrester uh, he was playing keys on the Whiskey Foxtrot sessions and I was like dude I really like the sounds we're getting you know kind of even want to experiment more with 
synth sounds or do Vox organ sounds that we've never done before. And he was down to keep working. Um, but as I kept on working on the record, Jacob Kuhn uh, was in several other projects, so he wasn't as available. So I was lucky enough to get Brian Norris from uh, another Winston-Salem band, Crenshaw Pentecostal. That was, those were the, the core players on the record. So the one thing that's really stuck out to me in this album, and it's really good, like it, it reminds me of, of a um, Heartbreaker era, Ryan Adams, like just coming out of, you know, just it's really, really good. But the keys and the strings on the album are really good and add a lot to all the songs that they're on. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you all know, funny, funny thing about the strings is they're not really strings. Uh, Brad has a, a Mel 9 pedal for his bass. They're, okay. Uh, and, and it's it's fun. I'd love to have a string section sometime, sure. but it's, uh, I don't know, is that cheating to use a bass pedal? <laughs> Why? No, not really. I mean, it's tech. Come on. As long as less people know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, well, it sounds really good, and it really adds, like, the complexity elements to the songs. And I mean, it's just, it, it, I really like it a lot. I mean, this is a really good album, man. I'm just ran through it. I was very impressed. It's It's got some of that Whiskey Foxtrot sensibilities, but it's certainly unique. Uh, to you well thank you thank you i'm i'm glad you're enjoying it um yeah it's it, it is kind of comparable to that heartbreaker era ryan adams like you said just the mentality yeah. of being a new artist going forward i also the, you know, go ahead brian i also thought that um it's kind of had some you know steve earl wilco kind of vibe to it as well that's how praise yeah Definitely early will go. Yeah. That's or else you're going to have to do a lot more of the key pedal stuff on your bass player. To get <laughs> We're going to have to get really weird. <laughs> so what does North Carolina, like, that is that the influence of growing up and all that, that, that kind of gets that sound? You know, people are going to say, you know, what's alt country or Americana, you know, but I, I try as hard as I can and not put uh, labels on, on music and it, you know, you know, one thing that you hear like a lot of, like in your music, you can hear like like the meeting of rock and, and authentic country and, you know, and, and, you know, some more kind of somber stuff and gospel and all that. You know, is that the Southeast itself or is there anything uh, specifically special about, you know, in North Carolina that, that brings that sound out, you guys? I think it's, I mean, especially just being in the Southeast and I mean, North Carolina specifically, like you said, it's just, I mean, any, no matter what I do, it's going to have that kind of vibe to it. Just being from North Carolina, sounding like I got a mouthful of rocks, the music that's ingrained in my DNA is, you know, Dwight Yoakam, Hank Williams and Doc Watson. That's just the stuff that's culturally embedded in, in growing up in North Carolina, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's always going to be hints to that, even if I want to try and you know, explore and do different things. If I wanted to make my version of A Ghost is Born by Wilk, it's still going to sound like I'm a hick-ass or something. <laughs> so where'd you end up recording? I'm sorry? Where'd you end up recording the album? Where? Or... Yeah. <laughs> Where? Yeah, sorry. It was uh, my signal was for shit. I did. I finished the rest of it at Earthtones Recording Studio with uh, Benji Johnson in Greensboro. Just picked up right where we left off with the Whiskey Fox Trout stuff. Oh, very, very nice. Is there any particular tracks that that stand out to you the most on here? Because when I listened to it, the last song, Loud and Clear, 
it's just an amazing song. Like what really, I mean, what are, I'm sure you're proud of all of them, but kind of what sticks out to you? Well, the, loud and clear in particular, not just uh, lyrical content and musically, that was, that was one that doesn't quite sound like anything else on the record. It's got a lot, it's a lot more airy, a lot more space in it. Um, mm -hmm. at, at the time I'd, when we started working that one up with Whiskey Fox chart, I was getting into like the war on drugs and my morning jacket and, you know, even a bit of the national bands that I was not super familiar with. And uh, it just, it's amazing that one happened kind of organically. That drum beat was, we were, we had tried a million different things and it wasn't working. And we took a break at the rehearsal one night and Jacob, we call him Cobb, just started playing that, that beat that you hear through the whole song. Mm -hmm. And it was like, man, that's what you got to do. He's like, this, this is my, what I do to warm up every day <laughs> and uh and then we just layered in sparse guitars and had a bunch of great people Laura Jane Vincent Emily Stewart and uh Sarah Sophia sang on it Emmanuel Winter played some violin just to get that big thematic ending to it that just yeah, sounds like a crowd of people it was amazing as soon as I finished that track I went and restarted again to listen again just just because it was awesome yeah thank you is this uh, for the production? Are you helping on that as a self-produced? It's, I guess, pretty much split between Benji and I. Benji's the brains of the operation when it comes to that. But he's also very good about just letting, letting us go in and do what we want to do and try what we want to try. Because we came in with the songs already worked up. and We'd play them a time or two, and he'd say, well, that bass part's not working. That's too busy, you know maybe you shouldn't be playing guitar here and instead play this. And he would help kind of work that stuff out. Um, the final decisions came down to Benji and I, but really I, I got to thank and give Brad and, and Nikki a lot of credit for helping me figure stuff out because they're, they're just two of the smartest, most uh, intellectual people I know, especially when it comes to music. Is the, so does that kind of recording, is that similar to what you guys are doing in Whiskey Foxtrot? Was it different at all? Was it, it was it was mostly the same. Uh, we tracked at least the rhythm section live, if not more. Um, and Whiskey Box Chart, it was you know the four of us, and mm -hmm. Nikki in the room, and we just hit hit record and go. And the, the rest of the tracks um, after the split up, it was Brad, uh, Brian Norris, and I just in the room, guitar, bass, drums, and then we come back in and overdub whatever else. But it was. We tried, tried to keep that live feel with it too, where it's, it sounds like a band playing. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what's your plans for uh, taking this out and playing out? I'm going to go wherever, wherever and whoever will have me. Um, <laughs> I just, I just was up in Louisville last week. I just want to get the band together and just go play shows wherever we can. I'm trying to book. Who, who is in your live band? Is it the same guys that recorded with you or are you using a different set of, uh, of tour, and act, a tour act? Mostly the same guys. Uh, okay. Brad and Nick, Nick are playing with me. Um, I'm working with, been working with a few different drummers. Um, Brian's in, you know, Crenshaw and plays with other folks and same for Jacob. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got, I got somebody I'm working with right now who I think hopefully will be a, a, a permanent member of the band that, that didn't play on any of the stuff. But I'm excited to work with them going forward. So, and we're just keeping it, you know, lean and mean on the four piece. It seems like there's such a, a rich, you know, musical thing going on there that it, 
it's semi easy to find guys to play there. I mean, it seems like the, it just sounds like there's a lot of great players in your area in that region. There is, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. But at, at the same time, it's like a double-edged sword because all the best guys or best players play with everybody else. Uh, like Mitch Holt has been filling in with me some too. He plays with Seth and he also plays in a Van Halen tribute band. He plays in a, this other national band. Now that's a mix there, Sam. Yeah. You and then Van Halen tribute. So you know they're not that they're not that far fetched. I'm no Eddie Van no. Halen. Well, you, you can play like Ice Cream Man. I mean, that's close enough to you know. That's got some the blues element plus Van Halen. We had Nikki and I were talking the other day about we should do a Van Halen cover. Like Ice Cream Man would be cool, but like Drop Dead Legs, that's like one of my favorite riffs ever. You should. You should totally. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. Add that to the live set. I'm going to have to get really good. <laughs> well, you've you got to make it your own. Yeah, yeah. Work it out in your, uh, you know, your kind of arrangement. Yeah. I mean, like if the Sex Pistols covered Van Halen, just how screwed up can we make it? <laughs> so how wide is your influences, your musical influences? that uh, changed as, you know, as you've gone along getting older? Is it things come and gone or things that you don't listen to as much? Like, talk about that. Yeah, it. I mean, it's there's always the four or five, you know, that are just like the core of the ones that I can go back. And if I'm feeling weird or in a creative rut, I can go back. Someone like Bruce, Dwight Yoakam, Tom Petty. I can always go back to them and quote unquote ground myself, but I'm always trying to listen to something new, even if it's not something I'll listen to forever. Like talking about listening to the national uh, mm-hmm. when I was writing loud and clear that their music didn't stick with me as much, but like the war on drugs and my morning jacket did. When you said that, I could tell some of the influences on the album. Yeah. How, how so? Some of the strings and some of the, the, the different elements that you added, the more atmospheric stuff, I will call it, mm-hmm. maybe. The music, ethereal music, be, be how I would say so. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because that, it's like imposter syndrome or something. You, you get into something and then you emulate it or let it influence you and that's like well i don't know if I did, I did, sure yeah it's like well i don't but, know if i did that justice well see i wouldn't have ever come up with that on my own but with you saying that i'm like oh i can hear it so that's actually that's a good thing right it's not like you're no. consciously trying to emulate something and i just it sounds really cool man i just this album is just wonderful thank you thank you you know, I think, I feel like I'm like a, behind the curve on it. I hear so much about the war on drugs, and I feel bad that I can't even name a song. That's something I'm probably gonna have to get on. You know, well, you know, I hear a lot buddy, of good things about him. <laughs> David from San Morica, that's like one of his bands right yeah. there, and he's always he's always pushing the war on drugs. And we always know the war on drugs is a bad idea. It's never worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't realize till I got into him that Kurt Vile was. Uh, part of that band like in the early early days like maybe with that first record or something like that really yeah no that's idea an, either that's another rabbit hole to, to go down oh for sure do you have so, a go ahead jason sorry all right i'll go ahead so <laughs> i have two questions for you what were you happy with that came out on the album that you're able to do and part two is like what do you wish you've been able to do on the album that you didn't get to do i was happy with um on the, especially on the, the last batch of songs we recorded, I got to kind of stretch my legs a little bit more as a guitar player. And 
so the last five or six songs that we did, I played, did all the guitar parts on. I recorded my first ever guitar solo, which was something that like, it wasn't much, it wasn't flashy, but it like, that was kind of, it gave me a, felt like I gave myself a leg to stand on. It's like, okay, I, I can do this and I can continue to develop this part of my, you know, what I'm doing with music. As far as not being happy with stuff, I, I don't know. There's, there's probably a song or two I might have left off. Um, just to, uh, not that it's filler, but it, it could have made the record shorter and I maybe could have repurposed them for something else down the road. Well, it gives you a chance to, you know, a head start on the next album, you know. Yeah. What, what is the song that you did a solo on, like your first solo on? The Custom Deluxe. Okay. Yeah, that one. It's a very simple blues bends. That's all. I got like two and a half licks, and I played all two and a half of them. <laughs> Speaking of blues, you know, us being all things blues and southern rock, is there any specific blues player that 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 you listen to or come back to at all, or are influenced by? Oh man, Jimmy Reed and, uh, and Elmore James. I, I went on a deep dive in the blues. Um, actually, not that long after we talked to you, you guys last time. I went down the rabbit hole. Jimmy Reed, Elmore James, uh, Otis Rush, all that kind of stuff. Right on, right on. Are, any mod- are there <clears throat> some young up-and-coming players that you're aware of that you would throw out their name to us? As far as blues players? Yeah, like anybody that you're kind of you know picking up and hearing about that me- we may want to know about. Uh, as far as the blues scene, I'm not as uh, plugged into that as, as I once was. Because in Whiskey Foxtrot, we were – Part of that Terry Von Cannon uh, did a lot with the Piedmont Blues Society and Seth competed in Memphis, but I'm not as as plugged in. Um, I mean, like as far as modern stuff goes, I know Gary Clark Jr. He's, he's yeah, but he's a you know he's a legend of this day and time. So, are you you guys doing your own booking? Yep, we are, but it's between uh, my manager Justin Saunders and I. But we're pretty much doing it all, all in house. So, what are you like? These guys like getting on festivals, doing your own shows, opening for people. We've had a lot of luck uh, being able to open for people. Uh, the festivals circuit seems to be a, a hard thing to get into. I'd love to, you know, do Floyd Fest and uh, Merle Fest and all that stuff, but I, I just uh, haven't found a way to break through on that. But we've been real lucky finding, you know, national acts to open for, or even uh, some friends of mine, Will Overman's been really good to me, him and his crew. Uh, he's been up and down the East Coast, Southeast, and has let me jump on for a few days. So that I've been fortunate there, but in a lot of it's just throwing darts at the boss, like, well, let's see if we can get a show in, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, and then maybe we can find something in West Virginia and just make a circuit out of it. We hear a lot about the borough in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, I haven't been there yet. Um, not even to see a show, but it, it looks like a looks like a beautiful room. So, are are you in touch with, or do you ever hang, or you know, familiar with the Jive Mother Mary guys at all? Being in North I'm Carolina, act not not super in touch with them. We're Facebook friends and see each other's posts, but yeah, I know those guys. I mean, we played with them several times. It's Whiskey Foxtrot, right bounce bounce around the similar circles. Yeah, give give old Mason a call and see, you know, you never know what he can do for you. Yeah, he's a good dude. 
he is a good dude. And man, they just played a real cool festival, the livestock festival with uh, the Georgia Thunderbolts and Kentucky Headhunters and Blackberry Smoke in Kentucky Damn. on Saturday. I know, right? Where was that at? That was in Eastern Kentucky somewhere, Brian. I don't really yeah, remember. Yeah, I, I forget the name of. The, I was just livestock. looking at that today. I forget the name of the the town, but I was originally planning on trying to get to that, but it didn't work out. <laughs> Sharpsburg, Kentucky. There you go. See, I didn't go to that. I went to my daughter's. Uh, she has a dance, national dance competition. So I went to that instead, and I got COVID out of it. So that was, <laughs> I mean, I made the right decision. Oh, man. You, do, you doing okay? <laughs> yeah, Sam, thanks. I'm yeah. doing okay. I'm doing well you enough s- to try to record. You seem to be, yeah. I just, sometimes my brain's not putting the words and the sentences together well, so you guys need to bear with me, but I feel okay. Oh. Man, I do that sick or not. <laughs> well, the good news is my daughter and her friends and my wife, nobody got sick. Somehow it was me who was around fewer people, but whatever, you know. Funny how it works. Funny how it works. What's your songwriting what you process, Sam? The songwriting process? Uh, it's uh, it's kind of all over the place. Sometimes uh, everything comes at once. I've had songs, it's like, like custom deluxe was that way. I had the music chord progression forever and never had lyrics I was happy with. And then like I was driving home uh, from a buddy's house in Winston one night and it's like all of a sudden just everything started coming and I had to keep repeating it over and over and over for 15, 20 minutes drive home, <clears throat> excuse me, until I could get to a place where I could write it, write it down. And then sometimes it's, it's a little more work. It's like you got a melody in the music and you just, keep writing and chipping away and editing it till it doesn't sound like garbage. So are you envisioning like, like you see something and you're envisioning lyrics first, or is it more, like you said, you get a melody in your head and it's, you go from there or does it differ? It, it differs. Um, I've never, usually if I'm writing lyrics, I've at least got a melody, whether I've tried to play it on guitar or not and strum out the chords. If I hear the melody and I'm writing it down, I'll, like hum a voice memo in my phone and uh, I can at least try and figure out something to go behind that melody chord wise um, just to get the bare bones of it down. What do you find typically gives you the most inspiration though when you're songwriting? Good question. I don't know. It's uh, just little lines of some stuff that people say or like thoughts I'll have will just, uh, just kind of hit me and it's like oh that that might work and i'm trying to more, expand you you hear or you hear or read something it's not like you see someone or yeah you see like a mountain or a stream or like a beautiful lady yeah that's pretty much it um that and i've also been just trying to like write stuff down and like a list of song titles some oh that sounds like it'd be a cool song title and then, trying to do that lately go back and write around that yeah oh yeah i've done that that's actually kind of fun that's about how i work it seems to be the worst way for me to possibly do it i'm not a great songwriter but i i get a lot of something and work backwards from it and jam everything together so it sounds like garbage but that's my process yeah you ever you ever listen to elvis costello very much oh yeah of course yeah and he was another one that i got into for this record but i read in his book that like he had just pages of like album titles and what song titles would go on that album songs that weren't even written yet but it's like that's kind of a interesting way to go about it 
That is, but you know what? He's been successful for a lot of years, and I believe he ended up marrying Allison Krauss, didn't he? Uh, not Allison Krauss. What was her name? Another fiddle violin player. Is it Lisa or okay. something? Let me see. Uh, uh, Elvis Costello. Here we go. Oh, yep, you're right. It, he married um, Diana Krall. Yeah, that was it. Lisa, eh, Lisa, Krause, Lisa was Krall, same. Said, yeah, you, you were more in the ballpark than I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'll just bl- I'll just blame the COVID. That's all. There you go. <laughs> so Sam, you mentioned Dwight Yoakam, and some of our other guests have mentioned Dwight Yoakam, and you know, and I find myself you know, starting to get a little bit interested in little more interested in like what I would consider to be real country, or authentic country. Um, you know, the Kentucky headhunters, for example, that, that I see them more as a blues band, you know, because usually I'm very protective of like, I come from that school of, a, of just a great Angus Young riff or a Keith Richards riff or a Tom Petty riff in, you know, that kind of music. But like now I, you know, I'm very interested. So what, what, if I was going to listen to something or, Tell me about Dwight Yoakam. I mean, you could start with uh, this first record on that one, Guitars Cadillac. That's that's like a solid debut album, just coming out of the gate swinging, just raw, hardcore. You know, that's a song too, right on the album. Yep, Guitars and yep. Cadillac. Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, yeah. But you, I mean, you could pick any point in his career and jump in. A thousand miles then- from nowhere, which is another good. We used to when my band first got started and we were doing some acoustic like stuff, we would cover that song. Yeah, that's a That's a good song. Any point is like and in the 90s I love that too, like a thousand miles from nowhere and that record. You get a little bit more experimental and a little more experimental for, you know, country music. Um, and then you go back and look at the influences on folks like him, Buck Owens, Hank mm-hmm. Williams, it's just it's a rabbit hole so along with them like who else do you consider to be or what sound do you consider to be authentic country and uh, like i said i got to be careful if i you say country because <laughs> some people think like you know i'm not talking about she thinks my tractor is sexy country you know but yeah. uh you know for so for you for dwight yokum is to you is he also a rock artist or a blues artist or or is that to you the most you know, you know, authentic, you know, original kind of country music. Yeah, it's kind of a broad and something I've I've thought about a lot too. Like, well, what is country music? Like, you hear something and well, that's not country. And really, country music is more about being authentic to, you know, telling the story of the working man and uh, just everyday folks. That to me, that's more what it is. Um, it's not necessarily as much the sound as it is. It's like what, what the lyrical content's about. Does that make sense? Because that's such a goal. One of the goals I had in mind with starting this podcast is to really hopefully like get some people to see like there was a time, maybe it was earlier in the 70s, where rock and roll, country, blues, and all this stuff would cross paths, and it wasn't mm-hmm. – they weren't stuck into lanes. They all related. Yep. You know, I remember Charlie Daniels saying like – you know, he's talking about, you know, um, Skinner, Marshall Tucker, and and uh, and someone else. I'm not getting <laughs> Almond Brothers. And he goes, uh, you know, like, they're all called Southern Rock. But he said, you know, the Almond Brothers were straight up, they were a blues band. Skinner was rock, and Marshall Tucker was looked at as a country band. But they yeah. all fit into this 
genre that's called Southern rock. Yep. Well, I mean, you'd even take an extension of that and look at someone like Waylon Jennings uh, or, or even Willie. People say, you know, country, you know, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, that's real country music. But what they were doing had a lot of rock and roll influence, a lot of blues influence. I mean, heck, Willie was just as much influenced by Django Reinhardt as he was like, you know, Hank Williams or Bob Wills. And it's, it's this, but it's the same thing. I would, you know, they, I'd lump them in with, with that too. Wayland's very much a rock and roll artist. So interesting to see the relation, you know, and I think we need that more in music to see the relation in styles than, you know, to look at how different they are. Yeah, at least think in, they are. Yeah. And roots, roots music, if you want to call it that or whatever, Americana, it, it all comes from the same place. It comes from, you know, the blues and it comes from the folk music that come from up in the hills. It's all, and both, and both of them, you know, have go back even before that. It's all coming from the same place. People have mentioned, some of our other guests mentioned that, you know, the South, the tradition of song, you know, is, is maybe a bit, you know, stronger down there. A lot of people could have a, like a deeper church upbringing and different different you know kinds of church and gospel singing and gospel playing. Um, is, what's your take on that? Because to me, like everybody down, or not everybody, but a lot of people down there, it seems to be you. You guys almost seem to be like genetically inclined to be uh, more talented or just a natural thing uh, in that kind of music. It, it, you know, it's it, you know, it's kind of mind blowing for me. I think you're probably, I mean, I think you're probably right. A lot of it does come from uh, just being at church. And personally, that's what it was for me growing up in church, you know, seeing Dwight Yoakam and wanting to play guitar. Yeah. But as I'm learning to play, you know, we have a church band that we can play with. And there's always, you know, even before that, we had, we sang hymns with just a piano and an organ. It's very much a part of the fabric of that, too. And it's the, the Bible Belt. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the foundations of that type of music, the soul and gospel really plays into like you're saying, really becomes the foundations of the type of music that you're writing and that you're mm -hmm. doing. So Sam, have you and uh, Seth played any shows together with your separate bands or is that something that might happen or not? We haven't yet. I'm sure it'll probably happen uh, down the road. And Seth's got, you know, a million other things going on other than mm -hmm. just music too. He's, doing a lot of artwork and uh, yeah. working a lot of, you know, like band and chopper shows. And so if the schedule's aligned, that's definitely something that's a possibility. I mean, hell, we've already got the same band backing us up. <laughs> <laughs> was that like when you guys like would each doing your thing, was there like phone calls in between? Like, was there ever thing like, well, I can't get this like lyric or I can't get this chord. You got a suggestion or was it kind of, did that not go on or? Not really, yeah. No. Once, because uh, we we always kind of wrote separately anyway. Okay. Um, like we would each one of us would write up, you know, the bare bones skeleton of the song and then take it to the band. So um, that that was pretty much it, and that didn't go on. I I, I still he's one of the first people I send stuff to when I whenever mm -hmm. I write. Um, which I haven't written anything lately, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, he's. I mean, because he's one always been the sound of board. Mm. I hope he still wants to be. He's getting them anyway. <laughs> so uh, you're saying like songs aren't always coming out from you? I mean, do, is it like I'm going to sit down and write a song 
or like you're talking about earlier, like it'll just like a melody will come to you or. Yeah. Like I've Jason Isbell said one time, well, oh, there's no such thing as writer's block. You just got to write. It's like, well, that's easy for him to say. Cause he's got a, you know, mm-hmm. a one credit shy of a creative writing degree. I'm, I'm not that good. Uh, <laughs> if I ever, I found if I sit down and like force myself to write, I'm never happy with it. And even if I keep going back and editing it, it's like, it just feels kind of bullshit to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's not my best stuff. That's why I got to let, you know, be, I got to be an artist and let the inspiration strike or whatever. Just let it come more organically, I guess. When we were talking about North Carolina earlier, um, like you're closer to Greensboro. Do you, is there any, you know, North Carolina, North Carolina city where you look at it and go, that's more, there's more people there. There's more of a, what do you want to call like a music mecca there? You know, is it Greensboro? I hear a lot about like, you know, the research triangle and Raleigh Durham and Chapel Hill. And um, what's your take on all that? Is it, you think it's like more around your area or Charlotte or? I I think uh, Asheville seems to be kind of popping right now. Um, And not to say that each, you know, city or quote unquote metro area doesn't have it going on. Cause I mean, in Winston and Greensboro, there's a, I mean, there's still, you can throw a rock out and probably hit, just hit a musician that's five feet away. Uh, whether they're, you know, making their own music or playing covers that, you know, just seems like the state's crawling with them more or less, even all the way down to Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Right on. Jason. <laughs> I'm afraid to talk because I'm checking my internet speed and it's all over the place. So something is going on in my neighborhood. <laughs> so I'm afraid to talk right now. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Loud and clear. Okay. All right, good. Well, you know, just tell me when I start pixelating again. So, um, all right, Sam, what's the best concert that you've seen recently that's really kind of inspired you? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm trying to remember what I did. I got to see a lot of live music. Yeah, I got to open for American Aquarium uh, back in May, and seeing them is always wow. a, shot, a shot in the arm for me because they're they're top five for me too. So that's that was a big one. I saw the they have drive a really by. good following. Man, they are. It's all because BJ, uh, the front man, he just he has worked his ass off for 15, 16 years. Um, so he, that's why they're the biggest inspiration learning their story. It gave me, you know, some punk ass kid from David County, North Carolina, gave me hope to know that like I could do that too. Uh, I saw the drive by truckers for the first time. Finally, that was back in May as well. Where did they play? They play in North Carolina. Yeah. The cat's cradle down in Carborough. And I was disappointed on tour right now. Yeah. They were out with Lydia Lovelace. I was disappointed because they were not as loud as I hoped they would be. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or I'm deaf as shit. He could be. Lydia Lovelace is from my wife's hometown of Coshocton, Ohio. And like nobody's from Coshocton, Ohio. Coshocton. Coshocton, Ohio. Correct. <laughs> I mean, I've not heard of it either. <laughs> For good reason. <laughs> I would love, Brian, I would love to have Lydia Loveless on the podcast. One, she does have good music, but two, just to talk to her about Coshocton, Ohio. Coshocton, Ohio. K 
Shockton, Ohio. Have, we, materi- have we materialized into the lightning round since we <laughs> I don't know. I mean, oh. do you want to do, are, are we good for that? You want to do a lightning round, Sam? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get weird. We, we can come up and do some crazy stuff. Okay. Let's jump into the lightning round right now. Hey, it's summertime. There is a heat wave outside. There's a heat wave album that you just released. One good way to take the heat off is through ice cream. Give us your favorite ice cream flavor. Coffee. Coffee flavor. Coffee. Nice. Yeah. Or toffee. Toffee or coffee? Coffee. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah. That is a very adult choice. I respect that. Well, you know, I'm a grown ass man, I think. I'm not going to choose cotton candy or birthday cake. It's either that or either that or chocolate. But coffee is the go-to. A million years ago, I used to work at a place that had coffee brickle, and I have not since then been able to find a coffee brickle that was good. What is what is brickle? I've heard of that. Coffee brickle? No, I don't know. Brickle. Brickle. (laughs) Brickle. Yeah, what is Brickle? I don't know what Brickle. I just learned what Scrapple is. Do you know what Scrapple is? It's probably North Carolina thing. Scrapple. Isn't yeah, that a, like, isn't that a game where you form words? <laughs> no, that's Scrabble. <laughs> oh, Scrapple's like the tea you buy in the glass jar. This is, no, that's Snapple. <laughs> We're gonna play Scrabble and drink Snapple. Well, and eat um, Scrapple. Yeah, no, I know what Scrapple is. <laughs> Have you ever had Scrapple? I'm not. I'm not that. Not that adventurous, anyway. Okay. Okay. All right, Brian. For what I understand, it's a lot of leftover components of a pig, um, and it's boiled and added. I think with cornmeal, and, and it congeals, and the, you make blocks or bricks out of it, and you can fry it up. You can heat it up. You can put stuff on it. I so it's like pig jello, maybe. I don't know, Sam. How do you explain it? Yeah, they, I think you pretty much nailed it. It's kind of like a hot dog, but not. Yeah. <laughs> interesting that's kind of like a hot dog but not all right what are the last three bands or artists you've listened to or you've streamed oh man shoot uh elvis. you can use your phone if you want to cheat i can use my phone i got i know elvis Correct. open book test uh elvis is one of them gary clark jr and the there we go and the Everly Brothers, which they just put out. Oh, some no. Well, you know what? Yeah. Sounds right for you. It sounds right for you. Now, do you know who J.D. Simo is? Yes. Good blues guy. Brian and I had him on the podcast. He did music for that new Elvis movie. Are you going to go see that movie? I saw that movie uh, Saturday night, actually. That's part of why I've been going on an Elvis kick. And what did you think? It was uh, it was good. I may not be a total fan of Baz Luhrmann's uh, directing style, but your guy, yeah. But it was it was good nonetheless. Austin Butler and Tom Hanks uh, did a phenomenal job at playing their characters. Did they make Tom Hanks more like out to be a villain, or because he's Tom Hanks, they kind of lighten stuff up a little bit? Nah, it. Uh, I mean, Colonel Tom Parker is just kind of a felonious character anyway. I guess that's the right word, yeah. felonious. Is that a word? Uh, he's yeah, pretty, felonious know, is he's a word, yeah. He's pretty much the bad guy in the whole story, even though he, you know, made Elvis pretty much. Uh, but it, it, 
wasn't so he, I went through, just me knowing the story anyway a little bit uh, I got a, that feeling of darkness from him um, but it it was interesting I don't want to give spoilers away but it was a lot there was a lot of Tom Hanks in it being Tom Parker um, I'll okay. say that much. I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. So, spoiler for everybody: Elvis dies at the end. <laughs> <laughs> could you? How was the music have, though? Was it was the music good? Yeah, the music was great, and they did uh, they did a lot of mashups between like with Elvis and would mix it in with uh, a contemporary artist these days. It was very that part was very interesting and, and well done. I could listen. It's on the soundtrack record. I mean, that'd be one to just go back and listen to anyway. I really want to listen to it only because of JD doing the music on there. I just think it'd be, it'd be interesting. And I'm going to check it out. I don't know if I'll go to the theater. I still haven't seen the new Top Gun movie yet. So I'm a little bit behind. A, man, just go do a double feature one day. Go see okay. Elvis and then go see Top Gun. Worth it. Worth every penny of it. Once I'm no longer in cause an outbreak in the movie theater, I will go do the double feature. There you go. <laughs> Now I forget what my next question was going to be because we got out on the tangent of, of J.D. Simo and Elvis and Tom Hanks and all of that. That's okay. Um, all right. What show or concert are you looking forward to this summer that you have coming up? Hmm. So, uh, I'm looking forward to I'm playing at Isis Music Hall in Asheville. And it's the uh, first time in Asheville since like 2018 with Whiskey Foxtrot and my first time at that venue too so that one I'm really excited about um, really any any show that's on the books is exciting uh, after spending you know a year, year and a half at home it's just nice to be able to get out of the house and make music with people I care about Are you playing a lot of venues that you haven't played before with, 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 with Whiskey Foxtrot? Yeah, places that we never uh, got to play or had the chance or places we might have hit once and never really came back to. Um, like the Poor House in Raleigh, we played there once or twice, but I've hit it up a few times in the last uh, last year or so, and they've been really good to me, let me come back, and uh, different folks have asked me to open for them there, so that's been fun. And trying to get out of state more, too, same thing, you know, going up to Kentucky some, and, uh, West Virginia. Yeah. Ohio is not that far away, just so you know. I'm working on it. I played with. Have you ever heard of James Reed? No. He's a he's a Kentucky guy. I think he said he was based out of Lexington, but he's very much okay. you got you guys would love him. Um, he's kind of bluesy, little country. I played with him in Louisville last weekend, and we're talking about uh, doing some stuff in Kentucky and trying to venture up into Ohio, Ohio too. Well, if you play the Southgate house that's in Newport, Kentucky, that's right on the river, right across from Cincinnati. That's that that is it's an old church that's been converted to a music hall. And there's like different rooms, like there's a main room and different club rooms and stuff. That would be a great place to go. And that'd be very easy for me to go to. Okay. How far are you from Cincinnati then? Two hours. I'm in Columbus. I'm like smack dab in the middle of the okay. state. So it's like two hours everywhere you go. Gotcha. Convenient, convenient and annoying at the same time. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Why well, choke back this cough and then cough into the microphone? <laughs> Since you're a solo act now, if you could play with any artist, open for any artist band, who's it going to be? 
Probably Jason Isbell. Ooh, he's torn with some. Who he's torn with somebody right now? I a uh, name. I'm not sure who he's out with right now. He's real good about uh, bringing up and coming artists. I know he had Adia Victoria out with him for a while. Have you heard of her? She's again great, great blues artist. I think she's based out of Nashville. She put out a what the, record. What's her name? Record left. Uh, Adia, I think that's how you pronounce it. Victoria. Mm-hmm. A-D-I-A. The record she put out last year is like, it's just fucking fantastic. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Dia Victoria, American singer. All right. I got her marked down, Brian. You got it. And, and then I also have James Reed. Names. So you'd love to be able to go back to Jason Isbell. Your style of music and you know, being a drive-by truckers fan, of course, you do really well to compliment him for sure. Yeah. He probably did your stuff. Man, I, that would be nice because uh, all I'm doing is copying, minus the really good guitar playing. <laughs> well, speaking of guitars, that's the question I was trying to think of before we got on the tangent with, with uh, Elvis and all that. What guitars did you use on the album? Uh, I played mostly Telecasters, um, especially on the Whiskey Foxtrot stuff because that was all I had. But then... Played a, I had a road worn 50s telly that I played on some and a 72 uh, Telecaster reissue with the humbucker in the neck. Uh, but then I, I picked up Squire Jazzmaster last fall and I used that on some stuff. And for a Squire, it sounds surprisingly well. Is that a newer one? Yeah, it's like the classic vibe or something. And yeah. It, uh, intonation's great on it. Like the pickups sound really good. Yeah. I've heard a lot about those classic vibe squires, really, to be honest with you. And a lot of people are finding really good guitars, like workhorse guitars for good prices. Yeah. It's the equivalent know, of, uh, go ahead. No, you. You're the guest. <laughs> it's the equivalent, like, you know, buying the, the Fender Mexi Strat or Mexi Telly. Yeah. And it's the same thing, but it's just got the squire name on it. And I, I love it. Yeah. And, I know Epiphone too has really stepped up their game a lot. I think the you know the Gibson and the Fender kind of step down models have really done a lot to bring better quality instruments. I know everybody talks about the Epiphone Fifty Nine Les Paul that just came out this year and how wonderful yeah. that is. I I want to go to like a guitar center or a guitar store and just even try it just because I've heard people rave about it. Yeah. All right. I'd is there you. a guitar? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Is there, <laughs> is there a guitar piece of gear that you want that you don't have? Yeah, a Gibson ES-335. What color? Yeah, like uh, Sunburst, like the 61 era. Like the one Isbell plays. Like I just, yeah. I just think they're beautiful. I, I played a Studio 335 once. A friend let me borrow it, and I was like, yeah, yeah this the 335 is supposed to be the only guitar that you need because you can do all the different genres as long as you're not doing heavily distorted like metal. Like, but basically it covers yep. the spectrum. Yep. It's, a, it's like a like a telly. You can do anything with it. For sure, for sure. So ES335, Sunburst, that's what yep. you're going for. Yep. Nice. That's classic. Respect. I respect that. All right. Closing in on the the final round as I 
come up with these questions in my head right now. Um, so, and now I blanked again, stupid. I'm going to blame COVID on it, Brian. I'm going to blame COVID. <laughs> no, in the lightning round stuff, I just, I can go. I can go on there. So uh, once you get done with this tour or getting out on, on the road, like are, are there thoughts of recording another record? Yeah, I'd like to. I've got several ideas. Don't have anything written, but uh, it's definitely something on the horizon, different things I want to try. Like I'd love to do, uh, like for the next album, do like Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever meets My Morning Jacket Z, like Jeff Lynn producing that. Layers of acoustic guitars that only have like a G and a B string or something stupid like that. And recording the drum, recording the drums individually, I think just to see what it sounds like. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Do you do stuff in alternate alternate tunings? I, more recently, I've started messing around like with um, open D tuning and just moving the capo around. That huh. and that's been fun. Um, I finally learned open G, like Keith Richards tuning last year. I think open G is a little bit easier to me than some of the other. I played around an open E. Open G is just a little. I mean, you know, you can you drop the D's and, but open D, huh? Why open D? Uh, it's because that's most of what Bob Dylan wrote "Blood on the Tracks" in, and he just really? moved the capo around. Wow. I think so. And that's, what's, that that's just, what. Somebody, that sounds lazy. Come on, Bob. It's very it's, lazy of you. Kind of, kind of checks out. <laughs> you know, he only won arguably one of the you know the top ten records of all time. But you know, he was lazy when he opened D and just moved the capo around. Yeah, man. I, I learned to open D so I could play "Buckets of Rain." I fucking love okay. that song. Yeah. Brian, did you know that about that Bob Bob Dylan album that he played an open D and just changed the capo around? I did not. I did not know that till now. I mean, don't take my word for that. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an idiot. But uh, yeah, if we find out it's wrong, we will call you out on social media when we post. Please this. don't worry. Please do. We will shame we, you. Well, we can start a social media beef over it. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Dylan, arguably, arguably the greatest American songwriter. I think he can do any tuning or capo stuff he wants. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and my theory on why Bob Dylan is a, one of the greatest, if not the greatest songwriter, is that when people cover his songs, I don't care what genre of music that you do, they're usually really good. So that means you, you know, you've written a very good song. If any jabroni can kind of cover it and make it sound good, yeah. I mean, Dave Matthews is able to do it. So <laughs> that was a joke. Dave's fine. I'm gonna make a lot of people mad. That's it. That's okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was just. I was gonna ask how you really felt about Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm at the college in the 90s, so we definitely went through our Dave period, you know. Uh, yeah. Under the Table and Dreaming came out and then crashed. Those, those were big albums. Those were big albums. Hell, I even had Remember Two Things that, that you know, that first album that came out that not a lot of people knew about. Yeah. He gets a lot of hate these days, I know. I don't know why I said that. Brian, stop me before I kill again. <laughs> hey, you know, we can do it like and find everybody that's covered along the Watchtower and, and do a comparison. Jimi Hendrix to, Ooh. to Dave Matthews. His, the, you know, Dave Matthews band cover of All Along the Watchtower is is pretty cool. It's definitely unique, and the the musicians in that band are awesome. They're all awesome. They're all good musicians. But man, he he formulated a really really good crew of musicians for that group. Well, I mean, it just goes to show what you, what you said earlier. It's like, you know, Jimi Hendrix can cover them. Dave Matthews can cover them, and you know, do different arrangements and whatnot and make it their own. And 
Guns and Roses it's, can it's play. A Bob Dylan, Dylan song. And, it's good. Yep. That's that's right. That's right. All right. I think that's into my lightning round questions because my brain is deciding to fizzle out, Brian. Uh, leopard hat, uh, uh, pillbox hat, leopard skin, leopard skin, yeah. uh, pillbox hat. Is that the name of the song? I like that too. Yeah, all blonde, blonde. Written in open D with the capo changed around. Nah, that's a, that's a leopard skin pillbox hat. That's blues all day, man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> My joke didn't land. Wah, wah. All right, Sam. Love the new album, man. It is really good. I hope it gets traction. I love it. The album's Heat Wave. Where do we go to find out more of your music, more of your stuff, where you're on tour, all that good stuff? You can head on over to uh, sampostercnc.com. It's got show dates, links to the music, uh, merchandise for sale. Uh, we've got links to all the social media. Yeah, it's a, it's a one-stop shop, sampostercnc.com. Well, thank you to you, Sam, uh, Sam Foster. The record is Heat Waves, and I uh, appreciate you uh, giving a shout-out to Kentucky. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, James Reed and, you know, in Lexington, Mojo Thunders from there. And, of course, you know, the Kentucky Headhunters, the Edmonton, Glasgow area. And there's a, something special going up there, too. So thanks for shouting that out. And uh, thank you for being on. And uh, we love the record. We're going to uh, push this thing all over the place and, promote and anything we can do for you you know you just will be there man so thank you for being on yeah thank you guys for having me it's good to catch up with you guys again thank you so much to our friend sam foster there near greensboro north carolina for being on it's good to catch up with him uh last time we talked with him we had him and seth williams on and whiskey foxtrot and you know those guys talked a little bit about that like how it was just like a real friendly parting of the ways and still remaining friends and influencing and supporting each other. Um, uh, just uh, that's really what kind of stood out to me. And I really liked our discussion about like the relation of, of authentic country and blues and, and rock and, and all that. So it was all, you know, tied up in a little bow and a good package. It was good to talk to Sam again. What a sweetheart of a dude. He put up with all the, shenanigans whatever was going in on my my side and i swear there's something going on in my neighborhood um he, he was very good about that it was a very challenging interview for me because i was like five seconds behind everything you guys <laughs> were talking about and doing it and i kept over talking and like of everybody just because it was very laggy so uh i apologize to the listeners as well too i made you know i thought it was the covid brian affecting my brain but i think i'm just having problems <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I mean, there must be some sort of like a, a tech poltergeist in the, the uh, your top secret location in the Columbus, Ohio area and region. <laughs> Something. Somebody yeah. doesn't want us to do these these podcasts. But, you know, it uh, <laughs> makes for good character and to experience those things. And, you know, we try to edit them out. Sometimes we leave them in for humor. Um, I haven't edited it yet, so but by this time you'll hear like <laughs> we even will you, you guys even it. know what we're talking about? <laughs> you, you they may never know. We'll see. Um, you know me. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you leave all the <laughs> fun flubs in there, Brian. It's just part of part of broadcasting on a podcast. Uh, I will say, go out and get Sam's Adam Heat Wave. Really good if you like Wilco. Um, if you like Ryan Adams. If you like Steve Earl, right in your ballpark, man. It is really really good. I like it. I'm going to keep it in my rotation. 
Yeah, you guys go and get heat waves and always remember, Southern Rock is reverent, blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 